Hey, this is Oscar Nunez, and you're listening to That's What She Said. That's What She Said, episode 107, China. No, the Chinese, no. Somebody has to stop them. Eric, sweetie, are you having nightmares about the Chinese again? They're going to take over the world. Sweetiekins, are you all right? Man, the Chinese are going to get me. No, sweetie, the Chinese aren't going to get you. They are so. There's two billion of them and their economy is getting better. And with their advances in technology, they're going to bring down America. (laughs) Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so. That's what she said. (laughs) Suicide doors on my... 57 Chevy Roll around town Like a hero I got you on my mind Just like all the time Pedal down Nowhere to go And welcome to episode 107 of That's What She Said A podcast about the Emmy Award winning NBC show the office. As always, I'm your human resources coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week we're going to be taking another delayed, in-depth, and spoiler-filled look at the 10th episode of Season 7, entitled China, which originally aired Thursday, December 2nd, 2010. If you can't dazzle them with brilliance, baffle them with bullshit. When Michael returns from the dentist with a newfound fear of China, he becomes an office folk hero by putting Oscar, Mr. Actually, Martinez, in his intellectual place. But round two looms, and things don't look good for our hero keeping the championship belt. Meanwhile, Pam and Dwight battle over the building, Creed parlays, Nate deplies, and Andy attempts to woo back Daryl with the perfect text. One thing's for sure, there's plenty of crazy pigeon action up in this podcast. Lots to discuss, lots to talk about, let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do that? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's the scuttlebutt? All right, and back from vacation with another fabulous late episode of The Office here on That's What She Said. Joining me at the water cooler, as always, is our dear friend, our traveling salesman, the office administrator, a sleeping dragon that is just beginning to stir, Kevin Crossman. Kevin, how you doing? Well, Matt, there's a lot of brain power on this podcast. Proudly (laughs) made in America since 2006. Well, that's true. Two men, one white, one Latina. A boss and a money cruncher. <laughs> yeah, here we are. <laughs> uh, I could fire you, but no. That's what makes America well, great, my friend. Yeah, that's exactly why you hired me as co-host. Taking care of business. <laughs> exactly. TCB. So, uh, speaking of China, here we are now, Kevin. I know that uh, maybe it was a little controversial with some folks how much we kind of gushed over Wolf.com a few weeks ago in our previous episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I recall at the time, I mean, we're talking about like a month and a half ago. I sort of recall that Thursday, Matt, when watching China, 
was mostly satisfied. But um, where Woof.com really sort of built and built for me, and I liked it a little bit more each time, um, this episode kind of went in the opposite direction for me in, in some ways. Um, I really did enjoy the Michael plotline, I have to say, and maybe that'll come as no surprise to anyone, but I mean, it was a different dynamic. It was the office and Michael ganging up sort of on someone else. So it was kind of fresh. You know, it wasn't just everyone hates on Michael. Now, the, you know, Michael is like the Rocky Balboa here of the office intellectual uh, <laughs> debates. So everyone was on his side. So that was kind of fun. The Daryl and Andy thing was just the epitome of tacked on filler. I think, I mean, we talked before about ABC, you know, again, this is sort of like a D or F plot there that didn't really go anywhere, and I'm not quite sure uh-huh. what they're doing. I mean, we kind of speculated before, I mean, are they just giving these guys so much business together because they're going to be sort of the main focus in season eight? Um, I don't know. I don't really know any other explanation for it, quite frankly. Well, I enjoyed China quite a bit, actually. I, I, I have to agree with you that Andy and Daryl plotline, if they just would have just taken it out and left it on deleted scene, cutting room floor would have been fine by me. I'm not a fan of this pairing. I'd rather see these two guys paired up in an R-rated comedy movie, <laughs> to be honest with you. But in any case, uh, yeah, let's, you know... It wasn't that great. It wasn't very good. But I really did enjoy this Michael Plotline, the Michael Scott farewell tour, where he's got to <laughs> have some sort of special relationship with every character on The Office. It's working out so far so good, at least up until this episode for sure. And uh, coming on the heels of Whip.com with Ryan, now we have Oscar. So this is this is really great. I also enjoyed the Dwight Plotline with Pam. And I thought that the use of Jim in this episode was really effective, both in both of these plot lines. And, uh, of course, I enjoyed the twist ending on the Dwight plot line as well. <laughs> well, I have a couple of things I want to talk about that. I did save the Pam and Dwight plot line for last because it was the one that I had the most problems with. Um, it was the most obviously <laughs> intentionally manipulative as far as, like, tugging on the heartstrings. And I think that maybe mm-hmm. they went a little too overboard with that, um, and we were talking before, you know, the reason why <laughs> we were talking about Jim and things, and I mentioned to you that my big problem with this plot line was kind of Jim, and uh, I'm going to lay this out here for you. The reason why I felt, I guess, kind of disappointed in this, because sec- the second time now, including viewing party, um, we have basically Dwight usurping Jim's role as Pam's sort of man. Who's taking control? Um, I mean, who makes Pam feel better about her failures? It's not Jim. He doesn't do anything. He gives her lip service. It's Dwight that guarantees that she's successful. You know, who's keeping that baby from crying at the glee party? Well, it's not Jim. That's for sure. It's Dwight stepping in to sort of take over Jim's role. And I, I we're talking about it's you know getting to be the final seasons and after seven years, you know, you and I we talked about this before. This stuff about how. You know, there's not really the same animosity between the characters, and you know, it, it sort of makes sense that deep down they feel and you know they like each other. Um, the first time I watched it, I got kind of a little warm fuzzy at that whole Dwight manipulates things and makes Pam win uh-huh. thing. But uh, the more I watch it, it just the cornier and kind of cloying it seemed to me. And I sort of wish that uh, Dwight would have been maybe a little more Dwightish 
and that Jim and Pam could have figured out a way to really screw him, you know, to really get it, get it over on him. Yeah, but see, that's the problem, is that that would be the typical way of writing either a sitcom or another sort of TV series, was that the characters are played smarter than they really are. And in this case, that's the thing I really liked about Pam, especially, was that she wasn't too you know, smart for school, and she did struggle, and she did have this uh, apparent... Uh, victory, and then it all came crumbling down, and she came running to Jim, and he, she opened up about the whole situation, and he was very open about saying, I love you, and, and all that kind of thing, and you're, you're right to an extent that, that he did not come and save the day for her, and she, she, of course she didn't save the day for herself exactly either, but I think that the fact that those two have this bond, it's not so unbelievable that Dwight, in perhaps seeing them, would get a little bit of that, you know, Grinch who decides that he has a heart after all type of situation. Right. So in that respect, it's fairly reasonable. The hijinks with, uh, what's his name? The little, his little toady, Nate. (laughs) I mean, this continues to be an interesting character that's uh, definitely worth exploring some more. So I just enjoy that whole thing. And I, and I totally didn't see that twist ending coming. I thought it was very well done. And, I just enjoyed it. No, I mean, I agree that it was a it was a good twist, and it was a little surprising in that level. And you know, the Nate stuff was kind of funny. I don't know if the the deplying machine maybe was a little over the top. I know there's a few <laughs> a few people in the comment section that uh, that sort of pointed that out as a big like major failure of the episode. Um, and it was amusing to me. And we we talked last time about how I like this character, how he's just such a better foil or better uh no not a foil he's such a better assistant for dwight than mose would be yes mose is so weird and bizarre and he just you know he couldn't pull any of this off uh nate's just bizarre enough (laughs) you know and some of his dialogue like that uh you know it's a very common expression you should uh, add that to your (laughs) repertoire whatever he says Mm-hmm. To Pam, um, he's, I mean, he has some good lines and some funny, just some funny business. So, you know, I like that team up. I like Dwight being the evil Grinchy guy. It just goes back to me that goddamn man. I mean, she is right. She fails at everything. <laughs> what is wrong with in in this economy? How hard could it be to find office space? I mean, it, well, <laughs> that's true. Although, have you been you've been to Scranton? You know what kind of infrastructure they have out there. <laughs> well. Yeah, I've uh, <laughs> I made a very exhaustive study of the business <laughs> rental infrastructure. <laughs> well, if you wanted Dwight being Dwight, how did you love the cold open then? You know, um, he's trying to learn how to use his uh, toes, as to have the petted dexterity of a chimp. Very successful. <laughs> well, I, I know that I've said the last few episodes that I've really, really liked the cold opens, but this one... You know, as opposed to the coffee in Dwight's crotch, it left me sort of cold. So I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just, it just, it seemed sort of like random, wacky stuff. And I guess it does sort of fit in with the classic Dwight opener. So I don't know. I, I didn't love it, didn't hate it. It was pretty middle of the road, I guess, for me. Yeah, it was definitely not a pantheon cold open, that's for sure. <laughs> so, so I guess that's kind of my feeling there in a nutshell as far as those different plot lines and things go. Um, Let's go ahead and get into the credits, I guess. We'll talk here. Uh, it's written by the writing team of Halstead Sullivan and Warren Lieberstein. And uh, they've written six episodes, including China, The Whistleblower, Koi Pond, and 
cafe disco. So, um, you know, for me, a, a mixed bag from these guys. Uh-huh. And here again, this episode, a mixed bag. And the episode was directed by Charles McDougall. He's directed five episodes, including Shareholder Meeting, Conflict Resolution, Dwight's Speech, and Christmas Party. So he's been uh, away from the directing chair for a while, but coming back strong. <laughs> yeah, a couple of good classic early episodes there that he has under his belt. So, um, you know, no no issues here really with this. Just very – it was pretty straightforward. Yep. You know, I don't even really want to mention the – kind of strange camera shots that they have set up. I mean, there's like a two-camera setup in the stairwell, which uh, seemed a little excessive to me, but <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I've, I've noticed a lot of shots this season, and I forget if it's this episode or some of the others, where if you look at the angles, there's no way that a person could have been there. Like the one, uh, yeah, it is in this episode, where they're driving down the street, and they uh, they pull up, to the the uh, the sidewalk there to look at the um, the vacant lot and the woman's out there and then they cut to a shot from a camera on the street like come on <laughs> where where how did, how did that camera get there uh, maybe the guy was like in the bed of the pickup truck or something and jumped out I don't know yeah so it's completely <laughs> unbelievable in that regard but you know exactly we have to clear our moment. minds zen it out so <laughs> let's go ahead and uh, just briefly I guess get started here on the Michael plot line. Um, you know, as I, I played that clip in the opening there from South Park from season 12, uh, not exactly a new phenomenon here. Michael being very upset and disturbed about China and its growing kind of prominence in the world. Um, <laughs> but that's actually perfect for Michael, yeah. right? He's always six months too late on the trend or maybe even more. Yeah, I mean, it does fit in there. So, I mean, I don't have any problem with that. I mean, it was it was a means to an end. The, the, the thing I liked about the plot line, I guess, is the fact that it really wasn't about China. Yes. I mean, the whole plot line could have been about Michael running around, you know, we have to come up with ideas and blah, 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 and oh, China, China. But that really wasn't what it was about. And that's really what saved the plot line, I think, from making it really kind of dumb yep. is that it turned into the whole thing against Oscar. So that was really great. I mean, the other thing about this that I sort of related to is that one of my coworkers at school is uh, is one of those guys that walks around and looks at everything and picks up every little piece of whatever and says, eh, made in China, made in China. Look, it's made in China. <laughs> I only buy USA products. So, you know, kudos to him. I appreciate it, but it does. Uh, <laughs> it gets a little old after a while, since, as Andy says, everything is made there these days. But uh, so let's go ahead and get into the clip. I guess Michael returned from the dentist. He is none too happy with what he's found. Mm-hmm. China, China. Michael, how was the dentist? It was great. China. Are you okay? What's wrong? Everything here was made in China, Pam. Yeah, it's where they make stuff. They used to make stuff in America, Andy, but we're falling behind. Did you know that? China is a sleeping dragon that is just beginning to stir. Oh, no. Yeah, right here. Anybody read the news anymore? China is on the move. I found that in the waiting room at the dentist's office. This kid had the magazine I wanted to read. That's the only one I could reach, and I read it, and then I read it again. My whole life, I believed that America was number one. That was the saying. Not America's number two. England is number two. China should be like eight. So, like I said, I mean, it's a pretty classic setup there. Michael, very disturbed, very bothered. The other people in the office actually uh, also kind of equally as dim, apparently. (laughs) This is the first I've heard of it. What's going on? (laughs) 
<laughs> I like the Andy line. That's oh, when they make stuff. <laughs> yeah, and the Aaron, you know, we talked before about that. And aside from the whole daughter-father relationship, I mean, she's constantly, from the last two seasons, been Michael's sort of willing follower. Like I said last week, she's uh, uh-huh. <laughs> she's the equivalent of Nate there for Michael, her, you know, his little willing servant and uh, uh, assistant. The funny thing, I guess, you think in there that maybe Dwight seems like the kind of guy that would be all Tom Clancy, conspiracy, uh, all all boned up on how China's taken over or that kind of thing. But he's uh, obviously been too busy with the beats. So anyway, Michael, you know, the first part of the plot line, Michael is very disturbed, very bothered by this. He and Aaron, now that they've kind of broken the ice here with this Newsweek article in the dentist's office. They are going to investigate this whole China thing and see what's going on. And they find that the conspiracy runs deeper than ever. Oh, my God. What? According to the Internet, the tallest man in the world is Chinese. So much for keeping our secrets up high. (laughs) What's America going to do? I know what we're going to do. We're going to put our best minds on it. Everybody, stop working. I want you all to imagine a world in which America is not the number one superpower where forks are irrelevant and where every man, woman, and child is expected to learn how to play the cello. Now open your eyes. You never told us to close them. Welcome to your future. What do we do? How do we stop this? With a big idea. That's what America's built on. Big ideas. Blue jeans. The Grand Canyon. Who's got one? Who's got a big idea? An idea bigger than the Grand Canyon? Yes, indeed. There's a couple of points in there. I mean, I don't know. It's stupid as it is. I got to laugh at that. Well, so much for keeping our secrets up high. I thought that cello line was pretty uh, exactly. amazingly funny, too. <laughs> Michael's distorted view of what it means to be Chinese, of course, very, very perfect there. Uh, and we're going to put our best minds on it. <laughs> so he goes out into the office. And Kevin's big, uh, big... Big idea about the uh, antacid pill. You only have to take once a week. I thought that was hilarious, actually. That whole interchange, and then they said once a year. No, that's too big a pill to swallow. I thought that was really, really funny. He has been thinking about it, I guess. And then what was the weird thing in there with uh, Aaron saying that they were all trying to kill her for the insurance money or something? Oh, yeah. That was... (laughs) Speaking of, you know, again, what the fuck moments. Last time we had Stanley in his spaceship lighthouse, and this week... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this week we have uh, Aaron, and she just spouts out the, hey, what if we hire someone new and then like take out a life insurance policy and kill them? Uh, and her explanation that, oh, I think that's what they're doing to me, and I just wanted to check their reaction. So, yeah, that was a really, <laughs> really, really strange line, and uh, I, I appreciated Michael came back from that line going, I don't know what the fuck that was all about. But, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but let's keep going. So, yeah, some funny stuff there, and, and things start to build. And Michael, because he's read these articles, because he had this brief moment of inspiration, uh, actually – knows his stuff, and uh, things do not go well for our friend Oscar. Did you know that in China, there are 56 cities with over a million people? You know how many we have here? Nine. (gasps) Actually, that's not true. I know the figure you're referring to, and it's a projection of 15 years from now. Thank God. No, no, that is right now. Michael, China is agrarian. Urbanizing fast? You betcha. But still agrarian. Most in terms of land, not population. Come on, Michael. No, no, you're wrong about this. Where are you getting this information? I got it from NewYorkTimes.com. Uh-oh, getting nervous, Oscar. <laughs> okay, someone look it up. I'm on it, Jim. I'm on it. Guys, it's not <laughs> worth it, really. Got it. 
China has 56 cities with a population of over 1 million. The U.S. has nine. Suck it, Oscar. Well, on the plus side, all this worrying about China has made you smarter than Oscar, Michael. Great. I was wrong. I'm wrong. Is everyone happy? Well, <laughs> so I happen to know more than the smartest guy in the office. So what? <laughs> I don't care. Okay. Now, where were we before I bested Oscar? Uh, classic. I mean, that whole thing is just perfect there as everyone in the office. You know, Oscar obviously thinks that, no, oh, it's just one mistake, but everyone's so happy to see him fail. <laughs> right, right. You know, urbanizing fast, you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, Ryan there is only you know thing he can do is go yeah. online. But I'm on it. Just, just such a great uh, you know situation there. And then uh, the capper, of course, is the Steve Carell talking head there, where he tries to hold it in and he just can't let you know he just can't yeah. hold it in. He's very happy to be the smartest guy in the office at least for a day. Exactly. So he is uh, definitely. Definitely enjoying the moment there, and I like that. Again, he comes back, oh, where was I before I bested Oscar? (laughs) And uh, everyone is going to, you know, no one is going to let him live this down all day today. Whoa, there's a lot of brain power in this room. We got Michael and Oscar, the two smartest guys in the office, also in that order. Funny, Jim, that is funny. Very comedically humorous, Jim. I have a computer question. Hey, Oscar? What is it? Can you move aside so that I can ask Michael? All right. All right, I get it. Michael, how do I create a new tab? Try Control-P. That's print. Not if the printer isn't hooked up. You are making some very dangerous assumptions, Oscar. Oscar, I must be killing you now that Michael is smarter than you. He's he's not smarter than me. He was just right about one thing. Yeah, but it was a really smart thing to be right about, actually. Actually, it was. Around here, Oscar is known as actually because he will insert himself into just about Actually, any conversation to add facts or correct grammar. Actually, you're speculating there. He really does fit that old stereotype of the smug gay Mexican. <laughs> as do you, Kevin, as do you. No, I have to say that uh, I agree with you as far as talking about Jim being used well. I think in this plot line, he definitely was used very well. And going back to last week, to the woof.com and the whole thing about your, you know, your cap and everything else... I'm glad to see. I wasn't sure because I hadn't seen this episode in a while, but they, they've they continued this whole entire episode this week to have Jim do nothing all day. He's playing zombie soccer for two hours. It's oh, like, that's right. There's a yeah. cutaway shot of him like making a giant rubber band ball. Right. Um, I mean, it so keeps he, growing over the whole episode. Exactly. Yeah. So they're, they're, I mean, they're continuing with that. Uh, <laughs> I'm not working the rest of the fiscal year plotline, which is, <laughs> you know, that is a positive. So Jim, uh, he has plenty of time to be organizing this kind of stuff, and that's uh, a little bit why I guess maybe I was disappointed in the whole Pam thing. But we'll get to that when okay. we get to it, I guess. But uh, there it is. So everyone kind of lays out Oscar, the big know-it-all, Mr. Fancy Pants, the finer things club guy, you know. I think Pam, Toby used to be on his side, but but maybe not. I guess Pam's just too occupied with her other business. Yeah, it was a really effective scene there with everybody. Uh, the, again, these moments where you have the ensemble cast doing their thing, uh, it really is very sharp and very snappy dialogue. It's very effective. So that just leaves really Oscar's attempt to kind of get his mojo back. And uh, Michael's not really smart enough to get it. Oscar invites Michael for coffee in Dwight's new coffee bar downstairs, which I actually like that. 
uh, little setup. I thought that uh, it was kind of a nice little change of pace from the office, and it did sort of make sense. So it wasn't uh, wasn't too crazy. But he invites him down there for some coffee. Michael, oblivious, just gladly accepts. But then Jim and Andy tell them that you know. My, Tell him that Oscar is definitely going to be out for blood, and he's going to try yep. to trick him in this big conversation. He's going to beat him down mercilessly, and <laughs> the only thing is for Michael to kind of bone up on uh, the subject. And uh, well, lots he needs to learn. All right. Well, I just need to learn everything about China to be safe. I should learn everything about everything, but I don't have time. Okay. Okay. I'll just learn about China and science and geography and math and literary. No politics. I'm pretty good on politics. <laughs> California is bankrupt. And California, California. Where is Tibet? Pass. When was China founded? Pass. Two for two. Keep it up. Who is Mao? Lifeline. Damn it, Michael. <laughs> you are moments away from the smackdown of your life. If you don't know something, steer the conversation back to something you do know. I could talk about boobs. I bet he knows nothing about boobs. What do you know about boobs? Just in case, Michael, <laughs> I made you a cheat sheet. I don't need to cheat. Shall not use it. Uh, so Jim's little <laughs> vote of confidence there. <laughs> yes, you do. Show him how to use it. There's some, <laughs> there's some funny stuff. Uh, a lot of funny things in there, actually. Uh, Kevin, as a, a resident of California, how did he do capturing your local politics? Well, I have to say, I am a fan of Arnold as a person and as an actor, and I did vote for him twice. I don't think he's a perfect governor, but that was pretty funny. <laughs> and uh, that I, there was some kind of business in there with Andy where he tries to give him the big speech from Rocky, the Rocky speech. <laughs> and uh, how long is this going to take? Oh, I'm about halfway done. <laughs> is it really worth it? No. no. <laughs> and so he stops. Um, well, and again, I think that this, this again, is a, an effective use of Jim, where he especially is the one sort of like, hey, hey wait a minute, you got to like, do you realize what happened? And then uh, being the kind of the leader of all these guys trying to help Michael get up to speed. So, uh, again, good kudos to Jim here. Yeah, and like I said, I mean, it makes perfect sense for him to be dipping his fingers in everybody's business much, much more than normal, perhaps, because he mm -hmm. has really nothing nothing else to do. So what happens? Well, they go down to the cafe, you know, they kind of go back and forth and, you know, to be fair, Michael does pretty well yes. for a while until Oscar finally asks him a question, you know, like, Oh, do you think manufacturing is what really is necessary in the year 2011? And Michael just freezes and then he kind of shakes his sleeve and all of his cheat sheets fall on the ground uh, and so Oscar feels like he has won. He's triumphant. Uh, you know, Jim and Andy said before he's gonna. Then he's gonna offer to buy you your coffee in this condescending way, and you know, she does <laughs> make you feel really bad. <laughs> now, this is the one thing I forgot in there. You remember, <laughs> Jim has that line where he says something like, "Haven't you ever wondered why I never bring up the tour to France around you anymore?" <laughs> and Michael says something like, "Yeah, I have noticed that." <laughs> <laughs> so everyone's been on the receiving end of Oscar's barbs. Um, so Oscar seems like he has won, but Michael, in true American political fashion, as I said, baffles the populace with bullshit. Wait, you're forgetting something. What? This chat. Two men, one white, one Latina. A boss and a money cruncher. I could fire you. Fire him. No, show mercy. But here we are. What's your point? My point is 
that as long as people like you and me don't stop talking, nobody can stop the USA. Yeah. But right. that's not right. I am talking about freedom, about choice. America, I don't think you need to worry. Because if you want to beat China, you will. If you don't, that's fine. That, my friend, is your victory. You know, a lot of people say that if you dig long enough and hard enough, you will get to China. And that may be true. But what they don't tell you is that if you dig long enough and hard enough in a conversation, you get to a friend. So here is to conversation. That's not... Raise your cups on high. Case closed. <laughs> that wasn't what we were... Discuss- that wasn't the whole... So it's <laughs> exactly <laughs> case closed. <laughs> yeah, and then that's the thing. I mean, Oscar obviously assembled these people. He wanted to show them that he's smarter than Michael. Like he he thought that all he had to do is beat him, and then everyone would go back to thinking he's smart. But everyone kind of hates him, so they don't want him to win. Exactly. Uh, and, and Michael's kind of goofy, populist, nonsensical speak. Uh, you know, speech there. Uh, pure American political, like I said, machinations with, you know, you don't really have anything, any any facts or any substance. Well, just <laughs> cloud men's minds with pretty words, and it uh, it does its job. Yeah, really good stuff. And again, I, I, I'm really loving this whole farewell thing with each of these characters. I mean, Oscar's been a key ally to Michael in a lot of different plot lines, so um, we had the thing with Ryan. So now... I don't know how much further we can go for another half a season besides the Holly stuff, which will probably be an ongoing thing. You know, we're going to probably have something with Jim and Pam, but are we going to really see that Meredith episode or that Creed episode? <laughs> yeah, Michael finds Creed a place to live. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, he finally drags Meredith back to rehab and it makes it stick this time. Right. I don't know. It'd be. Uh... <laughs> or he sleeps with her by accident. Oh man! Wouldn't, would... wouldn't that be a funny episode? Holly comes busting in. <laughs> that that no that I, I, I've seen enough of Kate Flannery naked. I think for less to last me the rest of my life. But uh, but anyway, so some I guess some some fun speculation. I mean that, that is true. We do have a very long way to go, and um, the Holly thing obviously is going to be taking center stage now. Once we come back from break, and she's going to be here for. At least six or something episodes, I think, still this season. Um, but we'll talk about that next week, I guess, when we get into classy Christmas. Let's go ahead and talk Indeed. about our uh, kind of divided Dwight and Pam plot line here. So, you know, we've been talking about this, that Dwight's the the business owner, that he owns the building, that, you know, we saw that him setting up Haytown last time. And now, you know, I got, I I wish that they would have tried to connect this, his grinchiness to that whole cap on, you know, commission thing. That would make so much sense. And it would actually sort of make you feel a little sorry for Dwight in a way. Yes, yes, absolutely. But uh, alas, they did not. But Dwight is there to uh, kind of just... Tell us his intentions and let us know how he's going green. Owning a building is a war between the landlord and the tenant. Not a literal war, unfortunately, but I am using the same tactics. I've surrounded the enemy and I'm slowly starving them. To save on electricity, I've installed a timer and motion sensors on the lights. It's part of my green initiative. And by green, 
I mean money. Dwight, why is the toilet paper only half apply? Well, I'm sorry. Is that not good enough for your anus? <laughs> Don't get me started on how coddled the modern anus is. Okay, um, Stanley, maybe you can just unspool a little more each time you need to... Don't tell me how to do my business. Are you going to just sit there off as administrator or are you going to do something? So that's where we get Pam roped into the war here. Uh, he throws it right in her face. And, you know, there's a lot of... <laughs> Some, there's a lot of other funny stuff in there that I kind of cut out. You know, Pam goes back and forth trying to get Dwight to uh, to change back to the old ways. Um, there's, there's kind of a funny line again where, like, like Gabe tried to do with Jim. She says something to him like, um, you know, come on, these are your friends. These are the people, you know. And Dwight says, oh, yes, I would rather see a smile from Kevin than hundreds of dollars. It saved utilities, and then there's like a shot of Kevin with a big grin on his face, right. uh, failing to get the sarcasm. But I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Stanley's coddled anus aside, um, I don't. I, to me, this really was kind of funny because over the summer in our school building, they installed those stupid motion sensor lights. So I, uh, <laughs> I have from time to time been sitting in my back office. Uh, and had the lights go out on me because I wasn't moving enough. Yes, nobody likes the light sensors. It's a big pain. But I, I thought that this was a good setup. And I think that we had the little business with Andy and the, the muffins and everything down at the beginning of the show with Hank. <laughs> Eight dollars. And so, you know, it's set up really well to show yet another, quote unquote, a Dwight episode with him, you know, trying to milk everybody dry after, you know, like you said, Haytown. So I thought the setup on this was real good. And, you know, everyone, you know, I liked a little bit of an edge with, with uh, Stanley here and Pam, although I think Pam's got kind of a point, right? You know, if the, <laughs> yeah, it's a little thin. You just take a little more, right? I, I mean, this isn't a hard equation to figure out. Right? Don't tell me how to do my business. <laughs> you don't tell a man how to wipe, Kevin. I want three and a half sheets, and that's what all I want, right? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I just this this whole thing it just again. This gets into why I didn't like this plot line. Is that Pam? You know, we spent so much time with her manipulating and wheedling her way into this job, and uh, yet again, she's proven to be incompetent at doing what she needs to do. So, um, I don't know if you remember, like back uh, a couple months ago, we we had this article that you read something about like how Jim and Pam were the most depressing couple on TV. <laughs> uh-huh, right. Uh huh. More uh, fodder, I think. There for for such well, a the streak will end soon. Well, we'll I talk hope, about it. I, I I hope so. All right. Well, <laughs> so next week, I Jim, <laughs> uh, Pam is you know very bothered by this. She's taking this uh, to heart. She wants to do a good job. She tries to get Dwight to see reason. However, he does not see reason, and so she goes out uh, to look for greener pastures. Does anyone want to know where I've been for the last two hours? Oh, my God. I've been playing zombie soccer for two hours. I went out to look for a better office space. Waste of time. Not really, because I found one. These are nice. Yep. Look at the huge offices, Jim. Yeah, Check no. out that conference room. Totally. You can't just move out. Oh, in three months we can. Check the lease. And if you don't undo all the changes you've made, we're moving. Hey, guys, can I show you some pictures? Oh, my gosh. She's so cute. She looks like both of them. They're you. not of CC. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> 
This is possibly our new Dunder Mifflin office. Well, I like being in the same building as Bob. Keeps me honest. Well, this building isn't uh. far, and it's much newer. There's a dry cleaner, nail place, and a gym. Oh, and it's next door to an outback, so it always smells like steak. Are you trying to kill me? <laughs> is the nail place Koreans or whites? Koreans. Good. And the dry cleaners? White. So some weird <laughs> bit of racial humor there at the end. Um, I, you know that it just makes you wonder again, like why would she go through all this trouble? And and again, I'm going to be zen, I guess, about this. You know, like you said before, in this economy, there must be just dozens and dozens of office locations uh, with, that would be glad to take in a new company. I mean, she really could have done it. I don't really see why she needed to bluff. Well. When you put it that way, I guess I can't really find a good argument against that, to be honest with you. But uh, <laughs> I'm now the smartest man on the podcast. <laughs> oh, <laughs> shoot! Anyway, uh, well, hey, we'll wait till the uh, wait till the end of the show. Anyway, um, you know, I loved I loved the Pam character. That was a really nice scene, and I think it was a good kind of setup for her emotional. F- scene later in the you know failure scene later yeah she was coming in very triumphant let me show you uh, you know and all this stuff so i thought it was you know it was a good, i think from her point of view it was a good plan to yeah. try to get something done very quickly because even if she had gone through and looked at all the different you know industrial buildings that were available would have taken time to see them and all this other business i thought she'd you know come in hit Dwight where it hurts and have him keel over and roll over but that is definitely not the shrewd way yeah, I mean, I guess maybe she was cocky the way that she bulldozed Gabe into uh, giving her the job in the first place. Right. Um, yep. But, I mean, she's gone for two hours. What was she doing for two hours? Uh, I don't Downloading know. Downloading pictures <laughs> off the internet and printing them, right? Uh, you, you know, you just could have said, oh, yeah, I went to, I contacted a real estate agent, and they're looking for office spaces for us, and we have three months. I'm sure we'll find one. I don't know, but uh, yeah, she went for the knockout punch, and unfortunately, uh, it did work at first. Definitely did work at first, caused Dwight some concern. Uh, he was, you know, starting to ask people, "Oh, what do you want uh, to change about the building and different things?" And he seemed like he was going to capitulate into a lot of Pam's demands. Um, in fact, she, you know, he tries to pull out his big, uh, big meeting. Here with Pam in the building, you know, owner's office, and she does not blink. You don't want to move. Moving is one of the most stressful things you can do in life. You'll probably just take it out on your kid. Jim will turn to the drink. The family will fall apart. And 25 years from now, Cece will become world famous for stripping. It's a sad story. I have another one. We move. The other tenants follow. The bank takes the building, takes your farm, takes your car, and beats the crap out of you. Penniless, you die. And my daughter, Cece, dances on your grave, fully clothed. See, now there's the fancy new Beasley that I wanted. I mean, why did they have to turn it into her being a flop? That was awesome. I love that speech. Absolutely. Top top five monologue right there. (laughs) And a good, good scene from Dwight, too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, goes back in there, you know, like you say, and that's where we see our buddy Nate with the <laughs> toilet paper machine uh, separating everything. So very, uh, no, you, you, that's like I said, you think that Pam's on top of it. You're like, yeah, Pam, go for it, Pam. Um, unfortunately, Dwight, you know, being the guy he is, he won't take this without doing a little bit of investigation. And unfortunately for Pam, everything starts to unravel. 
Look at that. Yeah. There's no building. <laughs> this can only mean one thing. Building's underground. She was lying. Oh. Pam, 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 Pam. Yeah? Pam? What? I'm Pam. Oh. No, you're not. I'm sorry. We have a colleague with the same name. Oh. So. Oh, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> you're not a liar, too, are you? I've been known to bend the truth. Damn yes. it. Pam, get out. Right now. Leave it. I mean it. Get the hell out of here. Go. Okay. <laughs> I can't wait to do to Pam what I just did to Pam. Now, we've been talking about this a couple of weeks, the, the Stanley Lighthouse thing, the Aaron thing, and now this. Did this, I mean, to me, this seems like just really kind of bizarre, almost absurdist humor. Like just uh, randomly, oh, there's somebody named Pam on the street that they start to talk to. I don't know, man. It, it was a little weird. It was kind of funny, I guess, the way that Dwight yells at her at the end. There, yes, but, uh, that, that, that made it all worth it because – you know, the Pam, Pam, Pam stuff, the fact that it's completely impossible that, of all people who, you know, how many people in Scranton are walking by with their groceries? Really? <laughs> Named Pam. So, but, I, I did like Nate's little thing and there was like, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway. But it was, you know, it, at least the j- joke there was funny, so. Yeah, and Dwight's now in the position of power. He knows that Pam's thing is all bullshit. Um, and when he comes back to the office, he is going to let her know that he is on to her. I lied about some aspects of the building. It's still on a bike path, though, right? There's no building. It doesn't exist. What does that mean? I needed leverage, so I pulled those pictures off the Internet. It's just this this office administrator thing. I don't want to... What? Fail. I don't want to fail again. But you didn't fail. That's what you said about art school, and that's what you said about sales. And you didn't fail those things either. Well, I'm not an artist, and I'm not a salesman. So what would you call it? Hey. Hey, hey, hey. And I have to give this to you that that, that scene was, I mean, it was like a very sort of really hard trying to, get a season two sort of emotional scene. We haven't really seen a lot of those kinds of things on the show in quite a while. So I did appreciate that moment. Um, Mm -hmm. I, again, I just, I wish, I wish it would have had a different resolution instead of just a sort of manufactured happy ending uh, that we'll see. Okay. I I can't argue with that. Um, I just, you know, it felt very natural, and it wasn't. It wasn't very, um, you know. It wasn't around a wedding or a baby or finding out they're pregnant or any of the other sort of typical sitcomy crap that seems to have been, you know, been infused into the jam relationship. So in that respect, I thought it was kind of good and real and yeah, real, you know, I just can't authentic. help. I, I just can't help thinking of back to like the season two era or something where you know they would have had this moment and then maybe that she would have failed and then they would have you know made things right by listening to the ipod together or watching the fireworks on the roof or something i mean i don't yeah. know it just i would have rather have had some kind of ending like that than uh dwight's a person he really likes them whatever kind of awe moment you get from that well that's true but good news matt because you've mentioned season two twice 
people have to drink twice, and that's what you said, drinking game. So, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that actually means that you have to down the whole beer. Whatever the thing is you're drinking, you have to finish it. That's uh, right. Zen so. moment's a sip, but <laughs> exactly. season two mention is where the whole drink is. We have that's to right. change yeah. the rules. We'll, we'll see how that goes. All right, well, that just leads to the final confrontation there with that emotional scene. And as I alluded to before, uh, Nate kind of walks in when Pam's in the break room, gives her this Pennsylvania, you know, like labor renter's law book or something and says, uh, I wasn't here. <laughs> and she says, mm-hmm. what? He's like, it's a very common phrase. <laughs> you should use it next time <laughs> or something. And then leaves. And so Pam has all the ammunition she needs to confront Dwight and win the day. You're breaking the law. Impossible. I love the law. Read Article 19. There are certain standards that you have to maintain the building at, and that includes comfortable temperatures and adequate lighting. It also means no more cutting the tampons in two, and no more tampering with the toilet paper. I see I've underestimated you, and I didn't think that was possible. Nate, reply the paper. They say the best vampires don't bleed their victims dry, but give them the strength so that they can bounce back only to be fed on again. I spared Pam that I might feast off of her profits for years to come. I let Pam win. (laughs) I was not motivated by compassion. I have no compassion. Make sure you got that. Not motivated by compassion. Uh, Okay, it kind of got me a little bit down here, Kevin, I have to admit. Uh, It was a little (laughs) touching, but still. um, What you couldn't see in the clip there is... You know, the sort of reverse backwards shots of some of the other scenes, like Dwight uh, pops his head into the stairwell when Pam's giving her big speech. And then we see Dwight giving Nate the book, telling him to give it to Pam, you right. know, all this kind of stuff. So, um, and then at the end, he's in the car looking in the rearview mirror as they hug outside, having their little, you know, successful day at the office routine. And exactly. yeah, Dwight's in there. No compassion, though. Yeah, and I mean, I guess with a viewing party, you know, you had that moment with their their baby and everything, and I, I don't know. I guess I just still don't necessarily buy the fact that he would do this, but uh, I guess we'll uh, we'll let it go. They're getting older. They're uh, you know, <laughs> many years have gone by, so they're starting to appreciate each other. I guess um, until, like you said, until we get to classy Christmas and everything goes crazy. <laughs> between the two of them but uh uh-huh. all right let's get into it there's only one deleted scene for this episode just a little bit more of michael talking about china china is going to pass us as the number one global superpower when did that happen is this the first you've heard of china do you not keep up with world events the last time i checked america was on top in everything except soccer and that's because we didn't try. I'm not going to worry about China. Everything is fine. No, Stanley, I am not talking about people who are conditioned to being the underclass. But the rest of us should be very afraid. I'm terrified. Good girl. Good girl. <laughs> so Aaron there, of course, is very willing assistant. Stanley, yeah. <laughs> Stanley's conditioned to be part of the underclass. Okay. You're used to that bad treatment, not not us white guys. All right. So <laughs> some pretty funny stuff. I mean, nothing that ne- necessarily needed to be in there. So it was a good good cut since, as we said, uh, really the big thrust of the episode was the Oscar stuff and not really the China stuff. 
I would have been happy to take that over Andy and uh, Daryl, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I guess I agree. I don't know. Did we talk about that plotline enough? Should we discuss it yes, anymore? Yes, we talked about it more than enough. <laughs> are, right. you, are you watching this? Are you listening? <laughs> Did you think... <laughs> Well, you didn't think that the pigeons eating the ice cream cone, that was uh, well, the cool moment there? No, but it was just so bizarre because, I mean, <laughs> when have you, I mean, what, pigeons are known for eating ice cream. It's just weird. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about absurdist stuff, man. I don't know. He looked but, like he was all, you know, in some pile of Coke or something, you know? Yeah, it's your high, <laughs> it's like, man, that's the high bar moment right there or something, whatever, <laughs> so. Yeah. Daryl likes his pigeon action. That's a text. Apparently. Well, if you like us and you'd like to help support the podcast, there's a couple different ways that you can do that. The easiest way, the no strings attached way, is to go to uh, the website at twsspodcast.com and click on the PayPal donate button now. We don't have any kind of recurring subscriptions or other things that I know that they have, like on Twit and other stuff. Um, you can just give, if you can, as much or as little as you would like. Uh, definitely any amount helps out. I'd like to give a big, big shout-out to the donors we've had from November and December. I've been promising to give the names of people for a while, so I had to get that done here. Uh, big, big thanks to Lorelai R., Doug O., Christine S., Kevin Twice donated wow. to us in the last two months, as did Laura E., so thank you both, Matthew K, Dan S, Brian K, Cynthia C, Walter B, Patrick L, and Miss Green Handbags. Not sure if that's her given name or not, but uh, <laughs> definitely appreciate the donation in any way possible. So just check that out again, TWSSpodcast.com. Click on the Donate Now link um now if you don't want to donate money or you don't want to do any of the other things kevin uh real easy way if you want to help the podcast um you could go out with me any girls in the local vicinity i'm definitely looking for a new girlfriend so why not give that a try if you don't want to give any money <laughs> you can also support the show by partaking in our promotion with audible.com Audible.com is the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of tens of thousands of audiobooks for download to your computer and other portable players. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash she said and get a free one credit audiobook download when you sign up today. This, these uh, downloadable books you can listen to wherever and whenever you want, just like the podcast you're listening to right now. <laughs> Audible has over 75,000 titles to choose from. Every genre, Audible has it covered. And remember, get a two-week free trial when you sign up today. And Matt, do you have a pick this week? Uh, I do have a pick, Kevin, and uh, I know it's Oscar season and this film is getting a lot of buzz. I went over a Christmas vacation to see the excellent uh, adaptation that the Coen brothers did of Charles Portis's True Grit novel. Now, I still have not ever seen the John Wayne version, but I greatly, greatly enjoyed this new version so much that when I got home, I went out and picked up the original book. And if you liked the dialogue, if you liked that character uh, from the film, uh, it's definitely a good read, and you can get that from audible.com. Right there, free download, six or something hours of spoken entertainment narrated by author Donna Tart. So, good stuff, Kevin. Did you see that movie yet by any chance? 
I have not. Well, good stuff. The uh, I can't remember her name. Haley, the whatever that plays. Haley's- Steinfeld, yeah. <laughs> All right, that plays Maddie, getting a lot of buzz. I know I was listening to uh, Film Spotting yesterday, and they were talking about how you know they're putting her up for Best Supporting Actress, even right. though she's the main character in the film, which is kind of yes. weird. But uh, It's an ensemble. She's a kid, first-time actress. Nah, whatever. Yep. But check it out. It's a great read. It's a great book. If you can't listen to it, at least seek the book out. It's a really good, really good Remember, to get a free audiobook download and to support That's What She Said, sign up at audiblepodcast.com slash she said. Uh, any messages? Yeah, just a fax. Oh, yeah, this is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? You have to. Call well, the waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> Did we get a fax this morning? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the one. Why didn't, uh... When I get it. You put it in the garbage can that was a special filing cabinet. Yeah, uh, that was a joke. All right, before we get into the news, just a very quick reminder. This Thursday, January 20th, is going to see the return of The Office, as well as NBC's new three-hour comedy block. Also, the return of Parks and Recreation. So, uh, looking forward to that this week, definitely. Um, first news item, Kevin, as we said, it is you know getting to be award season. And apparently the producers recognize The Office. The Producers Guild of America has nominated The Office for Best Comedy again this year. Um, I don't know. Every year seems to turn out the same for these award nominations, so I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's nice that they're still getting nominated, though. Yeah, that's true. All right, well, there's a new series for the actors who played Roy and that IT guy. What was his name? Nick? Glasses? Yeah. So Fox is expected to pick up Traffic Light for a fall series. The show is a single-camera comedy based on the Israeli series Ranzor, about three male friends in different stages of relationships. It will star Nelson Franklin, who was uh, Nick on The Office and also appeared in I Love You, Man. And don't forget in Scott Pilgrim. Oh, that's right, yes. And David Denman, of course, we haven't seen him since Roy left town. Uh, we want to thank Jason for the tip about the story that was on the L.A. Times blog. You know, that sounds suspiciously just like that cheesy show with Putty and David Spade and that new NBC show that's coming Perfect out Perfect couples. Thursday. Yes. It always has to be three, right? There's another new movie from Ed Helms coming out soon. The trailer for Helms' new movie, Cedar Rapids recently debuted. The film follows the character played by Helms, who is a bit afraid of going through the big city of Cedar Rapids, question mark, for a convention. There he meets a free spirit played by John C. Riley, and soon the hijinks start. The film looks like an indie version of The Hangover and also stars Sigourney Weaver, Anne Hage, Stephen Root, Rob Cordray, and Seth Morris. And Kevin, where can you get more about that movie? Yeah, we have a link to the trailer on thefratpack.com, so you can check that out. It, it does look like a really good film. I mean, as much as Ed Helms is playing, again, the sort of, you know, inward-facing guy, very similar to his Hangover character, he is the big star of this movie, and the trailer makes this funny look, this movie look hilarious. Yeah, I've seen so. you tweeting about it uh, when it debuted, so sounds yeah. interesting. I'll check it out. Yeah. I'm not... Uh, I'm not the biggest John C. Riley fan, I guess, of his, his work lately, but uh, oh. I haven't seen some of his things. What was that one he did with Jonah Hill? Cyrus. He was okay. awesome. Right. Those, those are fighting words, by the way. Well, I haven't but, seen yeah, I mean, 
So Cedar Rapids, I guess it's going to debut at uh, Sundance, but no specific release date uh, later in the year. Well, I got to tell you why, Kevin. I think that he sort of queers the deal for me with his weird ass performance on that Tim and Eric show. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but uh, I have never watched. Tim uh, and Eric. I, I don't know why he agrees to be on there. Same as Paul Rudd and any of those other guys. It just it baffles me. But okay. anyway. <laughs> All right, last news story. We have more kudos for Steve Carell. It's completely self-serving, but not without note that we mentioned that Steve Carell was named Frat Pack Man of the Year for 2010, according to the Tribute website, which I run with friends. Uh, Carell, of course, had two big live-action films and, of course, the monster Despicable Me animation hit. Uh, the FratPack.com editors also considered the creative comeback for The Office in 2010 and all these Michael Bay storylines as a key component of the award. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty interesting, I guess. Steve Carell back on top. I guess he's I, he's exiting the show at the peak of his Hollywood star here. Indeed, there you go. All right. Well, if you can't get enough of our brilliant insights and you want more up-to-date information about when to watch Cedar Rapids trailers and such, you can follow Kevin and myself on Twitter, and that's twitter.com slash summermat and twitter.com slash Kevin. Crossman. Those are personal accounts, so uh, go ahead and follow us if you want, but be aware that we might upset you or offend you with some of our lefty liberal political leanings or some other stuff that we talk about. Uh, if you just want to know about That's What She Said, you can follow the Twitter feed there at TWSS Podcast. Next new episode will air on January 20th, 2011. It's called The Ultimatum. Michael anticipates the news regarding the status of Holly and AJ's relationship. He later calls for a counseling session with Holly. Meanwhile, Pam puts up a New Year's resolution board in the office so everyone can post their resolutions. Wow. So, Matt, see, we're not late in getting out these episodes. If they're still on <laughs> January 1st for, you know, on the episode airing January 20th, we're not too far behind. I guess you're right. Now, Kevin, you remember about a month ago I talked about this, how it was kind of weird that this episode was credited to a writer that I'd never heard of before that had no IMDb credits. Uh-huh. Uh, a writer by the name of Carrie Kemper. Well, guess whose famous sister this is? Of course, Ellie Kemper's sister, which makes total sense. Who says nepotism is dead? Well, apparently not Carrie Kemper. So <laughs> interesting to know what the, you know, is she older or uh, younger? I, I didn't look it up. I don't know. I didn't see. I failed in my duty there on Wikipedia. <laughs> There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. I gotta erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, they need to be deleted immediately. I know. A lot of stuff. All right, well, last episode we forgot to include some of the comments from episode 105, viewing party so we got a couple here going back a few episodes muck mallard says this was a that's what she said episode that was far more entertaining than the actual office episode at first viewing i absolutely hated it the second viewing i did start to enjoy it more but on the broad spectrum of office episodes i still rank it towards the bottom as for the final musical pick i think i'll have to go with glee cover of poker face after all it offers the most direct connection to the show and whose pick was that, Matt? Uh, it was it was the obvious pick, Kevin. 
All right. Muckman needs B. to think outside the box. Tom B. wrote, I know you guys always wonder why every coworker shows up at every function, but the reason seems pretty simple. In the world these characters live in, they're still being filmed for a documentary, and since they know the camera crew is going to be there, they show up to be filmed. It would also explain why other family and friends don't always show up. I know if I got invited to a party and I was told that there was going to be a documentary f- film crew there, I wouldn't go. Well, it's an interesting... That's actually not the craziest line of reasoning. Well, with the spouses, I, especially. It's an interesting theory, Tom. But here's why I think you're totally wrong. I mean, after seven years, after seven years, the the bloom would totally be off the rose as far as being on camera. Um, it would it would it would make more sense if the show was actually airing, like if they were celebrities or something, you know, like um, and and it was kind of a fame thing or something that they would be on uh-huh. TV, but. You know, at this point, eh, I don't know. I, I I'll accept it. It's it's plausible, but uh, uh, too too many years have gone by. I think that really would have worn off by now. All right, a couple of emails, some feedback on that. So she said, episode one hundred six, talking about Woof.com. My old buddy Tyrone said, "Come on, when your boss screws you, it makes normal people mad. You get very little <laughs> chance to get the man back. So I can't blame Jim one bit." going after Gabe. How is Jim a dick here? I think you have agitated people in your life and you are always shocked when people retaliate. All that said, great podcast. So now we know Tyrone's secret for how he always gets his emails on here. He kind of, you know, sticks it to me, but then slips in that last little compliment at the end. There you go. Our Mary Louise wrote, Okay, so after listening to this podcast, I am a much bigger fan of this episode. I just felt sort of beige after the first viewing. I didn't dislike it, but I wasn't rolling on the floor laughing either. However, I think you both pointed out some great highlights in the episode and some of the more clever writing moments that I had overlooked. I also realized that the reason I felt Woof was more of a webisode than an episode... (laughs) What? I also realized that the reason I felt Woof was more of a webisode than an episode was the whole commission caps idea. That could have easily created storylines for the rest of the season, but it was used for a plot device and then completely forgotten for the following episodes. I think that that's what gave me the odd feeling on the first viewing. Yeah, and we kind of, and we talked about that a little bit as far as how it should have been a much bigger deal in the office, but as we saw today, it wasn't forgotten. We still see Jim wasting time doing nothing. Indeed. All right, well, Ray wrote in and said, I have to take Kevin's side. Man, who picks these emails? I have to take <laughs> Kevin's side on the Jim plot line because, Matt, Jim couldn't go on Facebook, YouTube, or any sites like that because Saber blocked those. Well, mm. a- a- apparently he could go and play zombie soccer for two hours. So That's on Zynga, right? I, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> let me tell you, Kevin, as, a, as an educator in a high school building, I'll tell you, even the dumbest child knows how to find a proxy for Facebook. Well, sure, and Jim had plenty of time to figure that out, didn't he? <laughs> Definitely. It, All just right. took him, it just took him a while. <laughs> All right, some comments on China? Yeah, Starry Dreamer 01 tweeted to us, The worst part of the episode? Oscar's two long sideburns. <laughs> you know, I, I, I had to go back and look, and I think Starry Dreamer's right. They are too long. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't say that I really paid much attention. All right, well, Carter wrote in and said, did anyone notice Call of Duty behind Hank's desk? 
I guess he's a gamer, and maybe it was a product placement since the new version is out now, or maybe just a fun throwback to season three. Now, I watched this episode three times today, and I got to admit, I did not notice that at all. I didn't notice it until I saw it, the link on office tally to be honest with you so yeah it was kind of a weird reference to be honest with you yeah not very effective as a product placement i don't think no well brandon wrote dwight's the man i haven't enjoyed an episode of the office this much in years i laughed my behind off so brandon's a fan uh yeah uh, a little more than us i guess or a little more than me anyway all right brian kirk wrote in and so this may stand as the worst episode yet I gotta get my voice out, my indignation voice here. When one plot point involves Dwight setting up a homemade loom for pulling apart two-ply toilet paper, we have left behind any semblance of real life in an office and skipped off to the world of bad TV sitcom. I continue to enjoy your podcast much more than the actual show. <laughs> to be honest with you, the two-ply toilet paper is probably the least ridiculous thing in this episode for me in a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta admit that was I mean, I can I can almost imagine that Dwight would have something like that on Shrewd Farms, but uh yeah, yeah. Ag- agree, a little little strange. Alright, well Candace wrote in, I'm a bit disappointed in Pam's inability to do her job instead of figuring out how to scam Dwight into doing the right thing. Pam should have been smart enough to research building codes or available office space, but she didn't even try. I did, however, Enjoy the kind gesture by Dwight at the end. It was funny that Michael outsmarted Oscar on China, but I'm glad that Oscar proved his intelligence at the coffee meeting. The boss is so clueless, and I like him for him to be reminded sometime. So, Candace, they're agreeing with me on the Pam plotline. Very smart. Yep. <laughs> Fair enough. Right. And the uh, listener feedback of the week for this week was uh, talking about viewing party. Uh, apparently someone named Skank said, best episode ever. And by ever, I mean ever since I gave up hope of ever loving an entire new The Office episode again. The timing with the direction and editing was outstanding. I thought, I know why you put this in here. Are Angela's clothes getting tighter? Or am I still slightly love-stunned by that nurse's outfit? So there you go. A little boom chicka wow wow for Kevin and Angela Martin there. Actually, right. I I did actually I did choose this because of the first thing ever since I gave up. Actually, <laughs> all right. So well, good job, Skank. That's about going to do it for us for this week. Join us in a week or so for episode one hundred and eight, where we finally get into talking about classy Christmas. Please send any comments or constructive compliments or love offers to twsspodcast at gmail dot com. And visit the show blog page at TWSSpodcast.com. If you have a chance, leave positive feedback on iTunes and help spread the word in any office-related forums. Every little bit helps. Music for the episode provided by Music Alley from Mevio. Check it out at musicalley.com. And remember to head on over to NBC.com slash The Office during the week for additional deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, cast blogs, and more. Uh, we'll talk more about this next week, but there's a couple of little fun things up there. There's the uh, PDF file of like four or five pages of the Jimmy Halpert comic book uh, mm-hmm. that you can look at. There's uh, these resolution videos from different members of the cast and things that are posted up there so not a lot of deleted scenes absolutely zero deleted scenes listed for classy christmas which strikes me as rather weird but uh, Mm -hmm. be that as it may well for kevin crossman i am matt summer and uh, we're out of here 
I don't Please know t- what the <laughs> that was. <laughs> You're, please tell me you know what that song was. You've uh, heard that song before. I have not really heard that before. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> what is that? The for? Red Rockers from back in 83? Oh, uh, my God. I agree with you. You seriously need uh, a musical education. Well, let me play that one more time. I don't know what the <laughs> that was. <laughs> Michael said it best, <laughs> my friend. Oh, it's a classic from the 80s. <laughs> 